Welcome to Elevate Ed for SC, a video podcast series exploring education transformation in South Carolina. I'm your host, Rashonda Pratt. If you believe that it's time to elevate the conversation and solutions around school reform and move to real transformation, then you're in the right place. In this series, you'll hear success stories of how education transformation is already happening in some South Carolina schools. You'll learn more about what other states are doing to meet similar challenges and find out what education would look like using a whole child approach. If students are to succeed academically and in life, schools must attend to their social, physical, cognitive, mental, and emotional needs. We're here to help lead this conversation because our students deserve no less. This vodcast first season will tell stories, raise questions, and look at solutions some radical, and some right in front of all of us. We look forward to sharing these stories with you. All for SC, a University of South Carolina initiative that is leading the way in advocating a whole child approach is a sponsor of this vodcast. We're coming to you from the Kennedy Greenhouse Studios on the campus of the University of South Carolina. Our first guests today are Victor Young, All for SC's director, and Dr. Barnett Berry, All for SC's founder, a UFSC professor in the College of Education, and also a senior research fellow for the Leading Policy Institute. Thank you both for being here. Great to be here with you. Barnett, tell me why does it seem so difficult to improve education and close the student achievement gaps? Well, unfortunately, Roe, uh, and it's great to be here with you, and Vic, uh, and to launch this series. Um, we don't pay attention to the evidence. We do not pay attention to the research that tells us how to make this whole child approach work. Uh, there are three bodies of um, studies I'd like to speak to here. One is we know that the most successful school reforms in America mm -hmm. have always melt, met the felt needs of the, those who implement those reforms, the educators and the kids but they're the least likely to be involved in crafting those reforms. Mm. That's number one. Number two, we know how to do whole child education, and many educators today are indeed trying to do so, but the structure of schools undermine their capacity to work with social service agencies, mental health agencies, work with after-school programs so that the after-school curriculum matches the in-school curriculum. We know how to do this, but we just don't execute, and we don't have the funding and, the, quite frankly, the governance to help us do so. Mm. And then finally, and I'll end on this one, we haven't paid enough attention to our nation's and our state's most accomplished teachers. We have so many extraordinary educators in South Carolina, but we limit their ability to learn and help each other get better. And we know from um, successful and ambitious curriculum forms that it requires teachers to have much more time to spread their expertise. Wow. Victor, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about the goal and the vision for All for SC? Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, in the beginning, Ro, when you introduced all of this, you talked about transformation. Right. And this work is, in fact, about transformation and not school reform. And we're, because it's about a paradigm shift. And that paradigm shift is from the centrality of schooling mm. as being the way in which you know, children grow in communities and then end up going off to do whatever, versus the centrality of the community and family itself. And so that takes a long time because it's a paradigm shift. So the university was thinking, well, you know, how can we use 
what we have, which is we're rooted, you know, we're a perpetuity. How can we use the expertise, the resources to support communities in making that long haul transformation, taking that journey from institutional focus to community focus, community schooling? Uh, that, that's really the vision of all for SC, equitable mm. community schools that support the development, cradle to career of every child. Well, this seems like a great idea. Why has it happened already? Well, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, it's hard, as number one, as Vicar will say. Uh, yeah. But I also will say that everyone wants schools to get better, mm -hmm. but very few people really want them to look any different than they were when they themselves were students in the schools. From the bell schedule to the calendar to curriculum delivery to how teachers are organized one classroom at a time. Wow. It's the same way we've been organizing teachers and kids for the last 70, 80 years. We are in the third decade of the 21st century. It's about high time we do something more transformative than what we've been doing. So no, what that, do we need to do? No, that's absolutely right. So, so in a way, we need to flip the script. And yeah. what we mean by that is to really empower or figure out how to empower communities from, I also talk, I talk about it from the ground up, mm -hmm. but I'm really talking about families, students, um, caregivers, uh, you know, the broader community, and that includes teachers and educators because they are part of these communities. But the entire communities to figure out, well, how do we, from the time this child is born to the time they go off to productive livelihood, how do we support that development for every child? Yeah, that is a different question than the one that we generally ask when we talk about schooling because we think about it as take them to school, leave them, something magical will happen, we can help on the way, and then they'll graduate and go off and do good stuff. Mm -hmm. The great news is that everything that needs to be done is already being done in South Carolina. We just got to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And the other piece of great news is that top performing nations around the world yeah. that put together the early childhood to the apprenticeships going into careers, that type of cradle to career system. When you ask them, you ask the ministers how they did that system of theirs, they say they learned it all from us Americans. We just don't execute what we know how to do. Well, we're going to start executing because what I love about this podcast and what we're doing today is we're having this conversation and we're bringing some of those people to the table. We're right. bringing educators and students to the table. For anyone just joining us, you're tuned in to Elevate Ed for SC, a video vodcast series focused on education transformation in the state. Today, we welcome Dr. Christina Melton, veteran educator with more than 28 years of experience, ranging from classroom teacher to a district administrator. As a product of South Carolina public schools and a first-generation college graduate, she's an advocate for teacher leadership, student voice, and educator engagement. And I'm so glad that we have you here as a part of this conversation. So Christina, can you tell us this idea of educating the whole child and what does that look like from your vantage point? Well, Ro, first, thanks for the invitation. It's an honor and truly a privilege for me to have a chance to be a voice for educators. So whole child, you know, in education, we have our own alphabet soup where we can mm -hmm. use jargon and lingo for everything and not yes. everyone understands what we mean. So my whole child for this series, and I look so forward to us unfolding this and developing this over time, I guess that's my hook to introduce the audience to make sure we draw them back in, right? Um, but for whole child for me, it's looking at a child through their academic ability, 
through their social ability of how they're developing socially, mm -hmm. their behavior, how is their behavior being affected and impacted by the climate that they're in, by the, the environment they're operating within. And then socially, how are they doing within their social well-being? Um, how are they doing individually? How are they doing within a setting of others? So it's looking at a child through all these different lens of their social, emotional, physical well-being, and of course, always their, their academic and cognitive abilities. What impact would the whole child approach have in the classroom for students? It depends on who you ask. You know, as an outsider looking in as an educator that has had district administrative experience, I would say the impact would be on various levels. First, definitely impact the child. Mm -hmm. Whether it is a child that's entering into our four or five-year-old kindergarten all the way up through our high school seniors, even let's not forget about our students that go beyond the diploma time of, or the, uh, the adult education that return to get their GED certifications. So how are our students doing? Looking through the lens of how can we support them in an environment where they can learn and do their best work. And then of course looking through the educational lens. As a district superintendent, I had two words that I did not accept. One was just and the other was only because every person that contributes to education is educating a child. That bus driver that greets the child when they first get on the bus in the morning, the folks oh, in the cafeteria that serve breakfast and lunch, every single person has the opportunity to make a difference in a child's life. So they too would be impacted by whole child. I would imagine we need to bring all the people to the table, and that includes policymakers. So, what message would you have for policymakers? Mm, for policymakers, you know, South Carolina has a motto: "While I breathe, I hope." Yes. So, while I breathe, I hope that we can have conversations. While I breathe, I hope that we can include varying perspectives. While I breathe, I hope that we can listen rather than talk. While I breathe, I hope that we can look at children through a different lens because when we look at educating children of what they need right now, we can make a difference. While I breathe, I hope we will value the experience of our educators, look at what they've accomplished in the last three academic years. In less than 24 hours, they flipped an agrarian model, an industrial-based model, to a place that's going to have hybrid experiences, it's going to have virtual education, on-site education, whatever the model was that the parent needed to accept for their child, or whatever the model was a teacher was asked to perform that day, our teachers have done it. So I celebrate our educators. While I breathe, I hope we can make a difference. Our educators are pretty dynamic. Where does this hope come from for you in this whole child approach? Mm -hmm. For me, um, it dates back to Pageland, South Carolina. I grew up um, in, a, in a family that farmed, and that was my dad's second career. So I grew up hoeing watermelons and cantaloupes. I grew up expecting to work during the summers. There were no summers off. There were no vacations that we had. We may have a night uh, at the beach if we could find someone to sleep on their floor while they were there. Uh, so we would barge into other people's <laughs> vacations. But my parents expected me to get my education. And for me, I wanted to be like Miss Baker, my third grade teacher at Petersburg Elementary in Pageland, South Carolina. Her room was magical. If I could ever dream to have a classroom like hers, that's who I wanted to be. So that became my dream. Going to college, being the first in my family to get a college education out of 16 grandchildren, and being the first to go into a four-year degree, and then having the first opportunity to open my door to other children as a teacher. So powerful. We're so glad to have you a part of this conversation and helping us lead the charge in this. Listen, stay tuned as we hear from the student perspective to this whole child approach.
In our final segment, we welcome Merritt Jones, a fellow at All for SC and co-founder of Student Voice, and Christian Ruff, a Student Voice coordinator and University of South Carolina freshman from Columbia. Merritt and Christian are colleagues at Student Voice, a by students for student nonprofit organization that works in all 50 states to equip students as storytellers, organizers, and institutional partners who advocate for student-driven solutions to education inequality. To see whole child education at work in our schools, we have to engage students in partnership to transformational efforts. This segment will allow us to hear directly from young people about how they envision the future of education in our state. So glad to have you, and glad to have you by way of DC. So I'm glad that you are <laughs> yeah. here. So can you tell me, how do we get students involved, both locally and nationally, in this whole child approach? I mean, I think first, you know, I want to be able to share what Student Voice is, and, and that's really recognizing and acting upon the fact that students are the most populous, the primary stakeholder in education, and then have to be partners in shaping it. Um, so how we do that is a lot of things. We'll both share what that looks like, but um, the how is really building the muscle. Students aren't used to being asked mm -hmm. um, what they think about schools. They might have taken a survey, and for you know our elementary and middle school students, that's probably the extent to which they've been engaged. As you go into high school, maybe you've been a part of student council or you're heading up a sports team, but those are usually asking you to plan prom or some other kind of smaller social activity and really not getting to anything transformational. Um, no one's asking you about your learning or right. about what's happening. And so to do that, we have to build muscle. We have to ask young people and ask them again. Um, and it really takes muscle building and engaging more deeply um, and doing that alongside teachers and other folks in the building. Because mm -hmm. we, that's how we do it together. It's got to be in partnership. I love that. Christian, I want to bring you into this conversation. Can you go a little deeper and share with us what does student voice look like? Take us into now we're building this muscle. What does it look like? Yeah, so like Merritt said, um, a lot of student voice, again, is students playing an active role in, in the decision-making process. Again, mm -hmm. it's not something smaller um, like maybe at prom or the surveys, but again, students are taking an active voice in, in um, the education. And so um, a lot of times I like to think of it as students co-ing, like co-developing, co-developing curriculum, for example, co um knowledge sharing so a lot of times that means students are students are experts in how they learn teachers are experts in how they teach and so a lot of times we we work with students and teachers to work again work together to make these decisions because they all have their individual levels of expertise um, and on a local level um, and even on a national level I'm working with a project called with Stanford's D school um, and what I'm doing with them is trying to find bright spots in um, individual classrooms. So we're going inside of classrooms with students and having them find out, okay, this is what is working well for me and this is what's working well for other students. This teacher is doing this well. This teacher, I love the way that this teacher has um, this deeper learning integrative thing where I feel that I'm understanding the content and the material. I love the way that this teacher is explaining policy, for example. And there's just so many ways that we can engage students in that process and allowing them to not only give their feedback on it, but allowing them mm -hmm. to co-develop these different things. So um, we, we, we're doing a lot of work nationally on the ground. And I think Merrick can talk a little bit more about um, what some other work that we've done in the past. I love this co-collaboration. So when in the context of South Carolina, I know you have some really powerful examples of what that looks like in our state being a South Carolinian. What does that look like? Yeah, and we're going to get to hear directly from the young people we've been working with in future episodes. But um, to kind of frame up what they've been up to, um, over in Fairfield County, we've been spending time with a group of about 
um, 15 high school students, so from sophomores to seniors. Mm. And those students really engage in a really deep asset mapping project in their community, a whole semester long, where they started by just asking questions and having conversations about what was going on. It was a COVID year. I mean, a lot was changing. Right. And students every week were showing up, talking, diving in, doing root cause analysis, trying to understand the root of what was going on. And then from there, decided they wanted to work on school funding, mental health, and economic mobility. So they divided up in teams. They power mapped and figured out who they needed to talk to in the school district and the county to talk, figure out how to make solutions for those things. They surveyed their peers. Um, they dove deep. They wanted to also tell stories of what this looked like. And then they worked um, together, interviewed folks, and then we presented them to the superintendent, to the community, to district members, to parents, to other students. And now they're working to figure out how to implement some of those solutions with other community members. So we get to hear directly from some of those young people about what they experienced in future episodes. This is so powerful. So for the parents and others who are listening to this and watching this, how do we get our young people to be stakeholders in their education? You talked about building that muscle. What does that look like? What would you say to that student who's listening or watching this? I mean, I think it takes all kinds. I think we're used to seeing propped up um, certain kinds of student leaderships. We're used to seeing people who look like me um, who are on student council. And what we need to see is students, particularly those who've been most marginalized and pushed out systems, engaged in ways that work for them, whether they're designers, um, like Christian, who does graphic design and tech, mm -hmm. or um, they like music, or you know maybe they're a really good thinker and need to be in a one-on-one -on -one setting. We have to find ways to engage students where they're at um, to continue to build that muscle and for them to know there's not one kind of student leadership. But there's lots of ways to get engaged. Um, you don't have to be standing up talking to your school board to really engage. And school boards need to come to young people and meet them where they are and not always just have them come to them. Thanks to all of our guests today. We've got more lively and engaging conversations like this coming your way. Make sure to connect to ElevateEd for SC.org for today's show notes, stories, and additional research. Tell us what you think about what we've discussed today. Follow us on social media at ElevateEd, the number four SC, and drop us a DM. Elevate Ed for SC is a product of U of SC's College of Education and College of Information and Communications in partnership with All for SC and the Tri-County Cradle to Career Collaborative. You've been elevated. See you next time. <music>